Chapter Seventeen of the Homesteader. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phyllis Vincelli. The Homesteader by Oscar Michaud. Chapter Seventeen, Epic the First, Harvest Time and what came with it. Harvest time, harvest time, when the harvest time is, all worries have passed. When the harvest time is, all doubts, droughts, fears, and tears are no more. When the golden grain falls upon the canvas, when the meadowlarks, the robins, and all the birds of the land sing the song of harvest time, the farmer is happy, is gay, and confident. And harvest time was on in the country of our story. Jean-Baptiste pulled his new binder before the barn, jumped from the seat, and before he started to unhitch, he gazed out over a stretch of land which two years before had been a mass of unbroken prairie, but was now a world of shocked grain. Thousands upon thousands of shocks stood over the field like a great army in the distance. His crop was good, the best, and no crops are like the crop on new land. Never, since the beginning of time, had that soil tasted tamed plant life. It had seemed to appreciate the change, and the countless shocks before him were evidence to the fact. From where he stood when he had unhitched, he gazed across country toward the southeast where lay his other land, only a part of which he could see. As it rose in the distance, he could see the white-topped oats, and just beyond he could see the deep purple of the flaxseed blossoms. He sighed contentedly, unharnessed his horses, let them drink, and turned them toward the pasture. He was not tired, but he went to the side of the house, which the sun did not strike, and sat him down. At the furthest side of the field, he observed Bill and George as they shocked away to finish. He was at peace again, as he always was, and thereupon fell into deep thought. My crop of wheat will yield not less than thirty bushels to the acre, he whispered to himself, and one hundred and thirty acres should then yield almost four thousand bushels. I should receive at least eighty cents the bushel, and that would approximate about three thousand dollars, with seed left to sow the land again. He paused in his meditation, and considered what even that alone would mean to him. He could pay the entire amount on the land he had purchased, and perhaps a thousand or two more from the flax crop. That would leave him owing but four hundred dollars on the land he had bought, and that amount he felt he would be able to squeeze out somewhere and have five hundred and twenty acres clear. He could not help being cheerful, perhaps somewhat vain, over his prospects. 
he was now just twenty-three and appreciated that most of his life was yet before him with at the most two or three more seasons like the present one he could own the coveted thousand acres and the example would be completed that was the goal toward which he was working if he or any other man of the black race could acquire one thousand acres of such land it would stand out with more credit to the negro race than all the protestations of a world of agitators in so far as the individual was concerned it is things accomplished he often said to himself it is what is actually accomplished that will get notice and credit damn excuses the best an excuse can secure is dismissal and positively that is no asset he would then invariably think deeply into the conditions of his race the race who protested loudly that they were being held down truly it was an intricate delicate subject to try to solve with prolific thinkings he compared them with the jew went away back to thousands of years before out of the past he could not solve it either all had begun together the jew was hated but was a merchant enjoying a large portion of the world commerce and success the negro was disliked because of his black skin and sometimes seemingly for daring to be human at such times he would live over again the life that had been his before coming west he thought of the multitudes in the employment of a great corporation who monopolized the sleeping-car trade indeed this company after all was said afforded great opportunities to the men not so much in what was collected in tips and in other devious ways nor from the small salary but from the great opportunity of observation that that particular form of travel afforded but so few made the proper effort to benefit themselves thereby he continued to think along these lines until his thoughts came back to a point where in the past they were wont to come and stop he could not in that moment understand why they had not been coming back to that self-same point in recent months since one cold day during the first month of that year he gave a start when he realized why then sighed it seemed too much for his thoughts just then he regarded bill and george at their task of trying to finish their work upon hearing a sound he turned behind him stood agnes my how you frightened me he cried she held in her hand a basket containing lunch for him and her brothers this she had brought every day but he had been so absorbed in his thoughts that he had quite forgotten that she was coming on this day as well as she stood quietly before him she seemed rather shorter than she really was also more slender and appeared withal more girlish than usual her eyes twinkled and her heavy hair drawn together at the back of her head hung over her shoulders 
Her sun-kissed skin was a bit tanned. Her arms, almost to the elbows, were bare, brown, and were very round. And as Jean-Baptiste regarded her there, in the bright golden sunlight, she appeared to him like the Virgin Mary. "'You are tired,' he cried, and pointed to a crude bench that reposed against the sod-house, which he had just left in his prolific thinking of a moment before. "'Sit down, please, and rest yourself,' he commanded. She obeyed him modestly, with a smile still upon her pleasant face. "'I judge that Bill and George will finish in a few minutes, so I'll wait, that we may all dine together.' "'You'll be so kind as to wait until then, will you not?' he asked graciously and bowed. "'Until then, my lord,' she smiled coquettishly. "'Thanks,' he laughed, good-humouredly. Suddenly she cried, "'Oh, isn't it beautiful?' and swept her hands toward the field of shocked wheat. He had been looking away, but as she spoke he turned and smiled with satisfaction. It is. Just lovely, she cried, her eyes sparkling. And all safe. That's the best part about it, he said. Grand. I'm so glad you have saved it, she said with feeling. Thank you. You've earned it. I hope so. Still, I thank you. It will bring you lots of money. I'm hoping it will. Oh, it will. I was thinking of it before you came up. I knew it. You knew it? I saw you from a distance. Oh, and I knew you were thinking. Oh, come now. Why shouldn't I? You're always thinking. The only time when you're not is when you're sleeping. You can say such wonderful things, he said, standing before her, the sun shining on his tanned features. Won't, uh, won't you be seated? She invited. He colored unseen. She made room for him, and he hesitatingly took a seat at a conventional distance, the bench beside her. "'Your other crops are fine, too,' she said sociably. "'I'm going over to look at them this afternoon.' "'You should.' "'Where's your father today?' "'Gone to town.' "'Wish I'd known he was going. "'I'd had him bring out some twine for me. "'I think the oats will be ready to cut over on the other place right away, "'and I don't want to miss any time.' "'No, indeed.' A hailstorm might come up. He glanced at her quickly. She was gazing across the field to where her half-witted brothers worked, while he was thinking about how thoughtful she was. Presently he heard her again. Why, if it is urgent, you are out. I, I could go to town and get the twine for you. She was looking at him now, and he was confused. Her offer was so like her, so natural. Why was it that they understood each other so well? Oh, why, Agnes, he stammered. That wouldn't be asking too much of you. Why so? 
i shall be glad glad to oblige you in any way and it's not too much if one takes into consideration what you've done for i'll be glad to go done for what he said catching up where she had broken off and eyeing her inquiringly she was confused and the same showed in her face she blushed she had not meant to say what she did but he was regarding her curiously he hadn't thought about the note she turned then and regarded him out of tender eyes she played with the bonnet she held in her lap she looked away and then back up into his face and her eyes were more tender still in her expression there was almost an appeal what did you mean by what you started to say agnes he repeated evenly but kindly i i mean what you did for papa what you what you did about that that note it was out at last and she lowered her eyes and struggled to hold back the tears with great effort oh he laughed lowly relievedly i was nothing and he laughed again as if to dismiss it but it was something she cried protestingly it was something it was everything to us she ended with great emotion apparent in her shaking voice he shifted it was awkward and he was a trifle confused please don't think of it agnes but how can i keep from thinking of it when i know that had it not been your graciousness your wonderful thoughtfulness your great kindness we would have been sold out bankrupted disgraced oh me she covered her face with her hands but he could see the tears now raining down her face and dropping upon her lap oh agnes he cried i wish you wouldn't do that please don't it hurts me besides how did you know it i told brookings that your father was not to know it i did not want it known he paused and his voice shook slightly they had drawn closer and now she reached out and placed her small hand upon his arm brookings didn't tell he didn't tell papa but i knew she was looking down at the earth i don't understand she heard him say wonderingly but didn't you think jean that i understood i understood the very day a few minutes after papa returned home brought the old note and told me about the extension she paused and looked thoughtfully away across the field i understood when you drove by a few minutes later you had forgotten about it i could see and your mind was on other things but the moment you came into my sight and i looked out upon you from the window i knew you had saved us her hand still rested lightly upon his arm she was not aware of it but deeply concerned with what she was saying presently when he did not speak she went on i understood and knew that you had forgotten it that you were too much of a man to let us know what you had done i can't forget it 
I wanted to tell you how I felt. I felt that I owed it to you to tell you, but I couldn't before. Please, let's forget it, Agnes. She heard him whisper. I can keep from speaking of it, but forget it? Never. It was so much like you, like the man that's in you. And the tears fell again. Agnes, Agnes, if you don't hush, almost I will forget myself. I had to tell you. I had to, she sobbed. But it is only a small return for what you did for me. Do you realize, Agnes, had it not been for you, I, I, I would not be sitting here now. Oh, think of that, and then you will see how little I have done, how very little I can ever do to repay. His voice was brave, albeit emotional. He leaned toward her, and the passion was in his face. She grasped his arm tighter, and she looked up again into his face out of her tear-bedimmed eyes and cried brokenly, But John, the cases are not parallel. What I did for you, I would have done for anybody. It was merely an act of providence, but yours, oh, Jean, can't you understand? He was silent. Yours was the act of kindness. She went on again. The act of a man. And you would have kept it secret. Because you would never have had it known. Because you would not have us feel under obligation to you. Oh, that is what makes me, oh, it makes me cry when I think of it. The tears flowed freely while her slender shoulders shook with emotion. And when she had concluded, the man beside her had forgotten the custom of the country and its law had passed beyond him. He was as a man toward the maid now. Beside him wept the one he had loved as a dream girl. Behind him was the house with the bed she had laid him upon when she saved his life. And when he had awakened, before being conscious of where he was or what had happened to him, he had looked into her eyes and had seen therein his dream girl. She was his by the right of God. He forgot now that she was white while he was black. He only remembered that she was his and he loved her. His voice was husky when he answered, Agnes, oh, Agnes, I begged you not to. I almost beseeched you because, oh, don't you understand what is in me? That I am as all men weak? To have seen you that night, that night I can never forget, the night when you stood over me and I came back to life and saw you. You didn't know then and understand that I dreamed of you these two years since I had come here, that out of my vision I had seen you and talked with you, oh, Agnes. She straightened perceptibly. She looked up at him with that peculiarity in her eyes that even she had never come to understand. They became oblivious to all that was about them 
and had unconsciously drawn closer together now and regarded each other as if in some enchanted garden she sang to him then the music that was in her and the words were jean ho oh jean baptiste you have spoken and now at last i understand and do you know that before i left back there from where i came i saw you i dreamed of you and that i would know you and then i came and so strangely met and have known you now for the man you are oh jean gradually as the composure that had been theirs passed momentarily into oblivion and the harvest birds twittered gaily about them his man's arm went out and into the embrace her slender body found its way his lips found hers and all else was forgotten end of chapter seventeen epic the first harvest time and what came with it